Welcome to Native Notion, a gaming podcast that isn't afraid to talk anything and everything. Here's your host, Klamath. Yo, 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 what's good? What's really good? Appreciate you guys showing up today. I apologize for not having a podcast out recently, but there's been a legitimate reason for that. Uh, we will be getting into that point today possibly over the next couple of episodes just taking a look at it uh, i believe the way that we are going to be doing this i'm going to be covering different segments of some things that i did just experience some places i went and uh, kind of going into detail into my thoughts for reference uh today is the 13th of march and yesterday i flew back home after going on a 10-day trip to United Kingdom. Um, some backstory behind this point. Uh, months and months and months ago, I decided that, hey, I wanted to go to the UK. I wanted, I had a specific reason that was in my mind as to what I wanted to do. And I've been looking at when to achieve that, what worked out best for what it is that I was trying to achieve, what it is that uh, I was going to do while I was there. And um, I, logistically, I worked out some things to make it work really well for me. Um, <clears throat> to that point, getting into why it is I wanted to go to the UK in the first place. Well, number one, uh, if, if you hadn't realized by now, if you're not aware, I was in the military. I was stationed on the west coast of the United States. Uh, I did travel while I was in the military, but in my time, I never went to Europe. Um, <clears throat> I've had a desire to travel the world and even speaking to my mom recently who came up and visited me, um, it, that desire has been blossoming since I was a kid. Um, I told my mom recalled this point where, uh, we, we were having a discussion. This was after I was already um grown up or, or grown up i meant like i was out of high school at that point um no there was nothing that was really preventing me from doing these things outside of being able to financially support myself during that process and um <clears throat> but i she she recalled this conversation that we had where i told her um the the whole reason and this was about the same time, if not, uh, you know, before uh, or after I initially signed up, uh, that I I joined or I agreed to join the military. So I did a, a thing called the delayed entry program in the military. I don't, in fact, I don't know if this exists for other branches. It does for the Navy, excuse me. And um, I I signed up to join, and I agreed to leave to go off to boot camp and officially join the military ten months later. Um, <clears throat> what that does is it gives you an opportunity to do uh, the the initial qualification book, as they call it. Uh, to be honest, it's called like a, a, a depth entry book, I believe it is. What it does, everybody that joins into the military joins in as an E1 unless you join in as an officer. Um, but at the end of boot camp, you officially get your, uh, you, you get the rank that you actually are. Uh, so so that means like <clears throat> it's everybody's the same rank. There's no there's no structure behind it that gives anybody any positional authority or rank authority that's associated with it. 
Um, so uh, if you did this booklet, you could, if you finished everything and all the requirements that are in it, you could go from an E1 to an E3 at the end of boot camp. So I did it, uh, unbeknownst or beknownst to me, whatever. Anyway, uh, I was going to be an E3 regardless when I got out of, out of boot camp because of the job that I chose. Um, but I did it anyway. So that said, um, yeah, I had this desire, like, hey, I'm going to join the military. I want to go see the world. That's part of what I did. Um, it, unfortunately, the, the locations that I went, I didn't get to see as much of the world as I would have liked. Uh, the When I showed up to the USS John C. Stennis, it was in a shipyard period, so that's a, that's a dry dock period that I went into. And then... Um, the way it works on a carrier <clears throat> is you have to perform certain things in order to get qualified to go on deployment. Uh, for us, it took a year's worth of time in order to achieve that. So that's like from, from when you get out of dry dock until the day that you leave. It took a year for that to happen. Um, and then we went on deployment. Uh, and deployment was eight and a half months long. I went to, uh, well, we left, I, I was stationed in Washington. We left Washington, went directly to San Diego. We picked up our air wing. We did some work outside of San Diego. Then we did some work outside of Pearl Harbor. Um, and then we booked it 56 days straight into the Middle East. Uh, I went to Dubai, uh, the United Arab Emirates. Abu Dhabi is the port uh, five times. Then, um, then we left that area that was in support of the things that the U.S. was doing in the region. Uh, we left that area and um, we went to Singapore. Then from Singapore, we went to Hong Kong. From Hong Kong, we went to uh, back to Pearl Harbor, uh, which is fairly traditional from coming back from deployment from Pearl Harbor to San Diego, San Diego back to Washington. Um, so I didn't get to see as much of the world as I wanted to see. That's the, the whole backstory behind that. Uh, and I always made it a goal to keep going to places. That's what I want to go experience the world. I want to experience the different things that come along with it. Um, there, from there, um, I mean, I, I moved from Washington to New York State. I was in New York State for four years at that point. And then uh, I moved from uh, New York State to Arizona lived in Arizona for three years, then I moved back to Washington State. Uh, so I've, I've done a fair bit of traveling around the U.S. Um, I have been to basically every state that you can go to at this point, um, which is, I mean, in the U.S. you're not restricted in going to any of them, but I've not been to Guam. Um, it, anyway. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, so I've done a, done quite a bit of traveling, but my goal is to do traveling around the world. So I've been to Canada, uh, I have been to Mexico, I've been to Costa Rica, and then obviously the locations that I mentioned when I was uh, when I was in the military. So I have a desire to go to these other other places and, and experience these different cultures and things like that. After I joined, or, or near the end of my time in the military, I got really into uh, footy, uh, soccer, football, it doesn't matter, footy. Um, and since then, I have I have become a significant fan for my local team, which is the Sounders, and then also uh, for the, um, for 
Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, so with that, I I wanted to go after I moved back to Washington. Well, when I was in Arizona, I knew some people that would go over and go visit and travel and, and go watch games and stuff like that. And I wanted to do it and I never did. Um, then I moved back up to Washington and I have friends that have done it here. And I finally got to a point where I felt comfortable in being able to do that. And that was this year. I would have done it earlier, but you know, the two years of pandemic. <laughs> um, so with that being said, um, that's my goal was to, hey, I'm gonna travel to the United Kingdom. I'm gonna go watch Spurs play, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Tottenham, it, it depends, I mean, uh, I call them all of them. I'm gonna go watch them play um, and experience as much as I can. So the goal for me was to show up and see as much as I could during that time frame. I originally set it up so that way I arrived on Friday the 3rd. They had an away match uh, to Wolves on the 4th, and then they had a Champions League game on the 8th and a, and a league game uh, against Nottingham Forest on the 11th. So the, I, I was looking at other dates uh, that would have had the, I would have had less opportunity to see them. Uh, and actually would have been harder per se, just based off of the opponents to get tickets. Um, anyway, I experienced quite a bit in that process. Uh, I didn't know what the ticketing was like. I, I do have a membership, uh, a one hotspur membership for Spurs. So I have the ability to purchase tickets when they become available to me. Um, that said, there there are season ticket holders galore. Uh, and it's really difficult to uh, it's really difficult to get the ticket initially. There's resale on these tickets that you can do through their ticket exchange. Um, but when I'm searching for this, this is back in like December, early January timeframe. Uh, there's no tickets to any of these games. As it turns out, I find out you can't uh, you can't go on the ticket exchange and get a ticket for Champions League match, um, which uh, was news to me. Uh, fortunately, I, I know some people that are familiar with the whole ticketing process and uh, that made it uh, it, it helps me the clarity that goes in to doing this. So I end up getting um, a hospitality ticket to go and watch the Champions League match against AC Milan. Uh, pretty expensive, not gonna lie. Uh, but given the nature of it, and you know, being my first time uh, going over there, I was okay with doing that. And um, it really, it's like the the only place I could get a ticket that I knew of. Other people know other ways. Uh, that's not available to me. Um, but I start looking for tickets for the other matches, the two league matches against Wolves and against Forest uh, on Saturday and Saturday. And um, I run into uh, what I, at the time, I didn't know, which was essentially just people that are trying to scam people. I mean, I'm not blind to that point. There are some things that were done that were very obvious to me. Um, there were some other things that weren't. So I, I engaged on Twitter at the time. Uh, speaking of which, I've, I've apparently have been shadow banned on, on Twitter. I don't know what I did. Uh, but the last time I put up a post, it was a video and it got no views, no interactions whatsoever. I have 400 and something followers. I, I don't know, whatever. Anyway. Um, so I'm engaging on Twitter and I, um, go through and I start DMing this guy 
mind you, nobody that's interacting with me at this point is telling me, you know, to be careful. And nobody I know at this point is telling me that I need to be careful or anything of that nature. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going through this process and talking is probably, I don't know, a few days worth of conversations back and forth. I have to be able to add this person to my network um, for Spurs in order for them to transfer me a ticket. Um, so I do that. Uh, he requests that I send him um, 50 British pounds for this ticket, which I did. Um, ultimately, not a huge price or anything of that nature. Um, and considering I was looking for a ticket at that point, yeah, it, it, I was worth, it, it was worth it for me. Um, and the day after I sent them the money, I got blocked on Twitter. And that's when I, immediately I knew. And other people I was talking to, uh, in fact, one of which I was pretty positive was a second account for that same person, trying to pull the same thing, but for a different game on me. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, the experience was worth it, in my opinion. And I will, and, and it's given, it's actually given me a lot of experience to be able to tell people about that. So that way they don't make the same mistakes that I did. Fortunately, uh, PayPal, I had screenshots of all the conversations I had and the money that was sent and how I didn't receive the ticket from them. Um, and I sent it off to PayPal and PayPal honored what it is I provided them and refunded me my money, taking it away from them. So uh, if, if anything, uh, all I lost was time and, and uh, maybe a little humility associated with that. Um, long story short, don't generally speaking you got to be very careful where you go third-party sites like StubHub or Ticketmaster uh, those are gonna be places that are our people are selling but selling fake tickets be very careful the most the safest way is gonna be through the ticket exchange that's associated with each of the clubs they all have their own ticket exchange that's associated with it as long as you're a member you should be able to access that the second safest way is to go through an authorized third party that uh, has good reviews I went for the Champions League game. I went through a company called uh, Groundhopper, who is well known throughout all of Europe, and they're expanding in the U.S. now. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're expanding in other portions of the world, uh, where they where they are basically um, like a corporate entity that purchases blocks of tickets, and um, that that process was fantastic for me. I had a, a friend of mine here who used them, and he's the one that recommended me to them. Uh, so that's certainly a way to do that. The other way you can do it is if you know somebody. Um, for one of the tickets for the Forest match, I ended up connecting through one of my uh, one of my older friends, uh, one of Spurs friends, and he offered me a ticket on, in the South Stand. Um, this was in like like right after Christmas. So in February, like mid-February, and I hadn't heard anything, like literally nothing from this person. He wasn't responding to me. Um, I went off and bought a ticket for the Forest match, and uh, the next day after I purchased the ticket, he asked me if I was still interested in buying his ticket. The unfortunate nature of that is because I bought that ticket uh, via the ticket exchange, I could not refund that, and I could not sell it again. Um, it, there's a reason behind that. They don't want people buying tickets, on, especially on like the cheap, and then uh, turn around and and uh, and have that you know sell it for more. Try to make money off of reselling kind of situation. 
UK is really cracking down on that. Um, so, <laughs> just, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. I, I felt bad because I said I would work with this guy, and then, you know, two months of not not having that, just, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, uh, but then I started focusing on trying to get the forest match. Uh, the forest match, sorry, not the forest match, excuse me, the wolves match. Um, the wolves match away. I did, a, I did a lot of research on this, and it turns out that getting uh, an away ticket for a team is actually like pretty incredibly hard. Here's what ends up happening. There's a lot of uh, fans that at the beginning of the season, when they become available for away matches, they put in for getting the ticket and they get the ticket and then they um or then they get the award of the ticket they purchase it from the club and they turn around and sell it individually to other people uh at a significant cost they have no intention of ever going to these games basically you have to build loyalty points to the club to be able to come uh to an away match for them so the more more matches you go to the more loyalty points that you have Therefore, the more eligibility you have for going to away matches. I obviously do not have that. <laughs> that is a very clear point. I do not have that, and I will never have that. Not for them, at least. Um, the So, anyway, I'm doing research on this all over. Uh, the more research I find, the more uh, the more I start to realize that you know fans locally are, are really pissed for, for a couple of reasons. Number one... There are these people that are in line that are ahead of them who have priority to away matches that are securing these away matches. Uh, that is, it's an unfortunate situation where they they just haven't been able to either go to as many matches or get as many tickets or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, that <clears throat> That is one thing that really, like, it irks them is that, like, hey, these people can get it. I can't. The second part to that exact point is these people that are doing that are also turning around and selling it at for like an exorbitant price um, to people that may or may not have that priority, like the next in line to get it. So that, say the, the person with the most loyalty points is the, gets there and they want to reserve away tickets for all these matches, they get that away ticket for all the matches that they want as long as they pay for it. Then they're going to turn around and sell it to say maybe me who's traveling from the U.S. to go see this team when there's somebody who's been going to matches for significantly longer than I have and has never been able to go to an away match. You know, that that really, 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 really pisses these uh, these fans off. I recognize that point. Another thing to that is the clubs are starting to recognize that teams are, or, or that fans are doing that. And so what's ended up happening is they uh, this year, this... Uh, this calendar, no, actually it came out in October, so not the calendar year, uh, but this season, um, Tottenham Hotspur ended up saying, hey, if we find that anybody is purchasing tickets just to turn around and sell them uh, individually afterwards, we're going to revoke their membership. Not only that, what they said was, if anybody is caught having a ticket that was purchased from somebody else that is not them, mind you, you have to scan your ticket to go in, if they check your ID and the name doesn't match for what the ticket says, and that's how they find out. That is going to be 
after experiencing it, I don't know how they're going to manage that. But, um, what they say is, like, anybody's caught with that, they're also going to revoke their membership. That's a big deal. I don't know how they're going to manage it overall or what they're going to do uh, in order to, to continue that or, or to really enforce that. But that's huge. So after a bunch of research, not to mention the logistics behind me leaving on Thursday afternoon and then arriving Friday morning because eight hour time difference for me and then adjusting my sleep to be able to get out to where wolves play. It would have been a nightmare. I would have been exhausted. Uh, mind you, I'm a shift worker, so getting, dealing with the changing and sleep schedules and stuff like that. It's kind of normal, regular business for me. Uh, it wasn't too difficult, but I would have had to travel on Friday out to where wolves play and then um, get a get a room, a hotel or something the, for the, that day. And on top of that, I'd have to have some place that I could keep my stuff while I'm at the game, uh, which logistically is a nightmare. And uh, it, it just ended up being like all those things combined. I decided not to do it. What I didn't know, and this is different here in the U.S. than it is in, in maybe it's just London. Maybe it's the U.K. as a whole that I'm not sure of. Um, what I didn't know is matches after 3 p.m. are not authorized to be publicly broadcasted. Uh, and again, I'm not sure if that's in in the UK or if that's specifically in London or whatever it may be. Um, you, I don't know what kind of trouble you can get if you do end up doing that, like a streaming service type of deal. Um, but I like I went to a couple of different places, a couple of pubs, and and nobody had this match, so I I ended up having to take the train back to the place where I was staying, and I could using a VPN, I could uh, stream the match on my tablet. Um, fortunately, I didn't end up spending all that money to go out and watch them because they played like absolute ass. Ended up losing the match in that game, which carried over <laughs> uh, into further games from that point. So that is, uh, yeah, that's that whole process was just, it was incredible to, to, to experience. Um, I'm after having gone through it and then, you know, known how I felt and how I was emotionally doing during that period, mentally doing that through that period as well. Um, I'm glad I didn't travel in on Friday and then leave Friday night to take the train out to go do that. Uh, I wouldn't have had, I would, I wouldn't have been in the right state of mind. Uh, it, it was, yeah, I was, I was clouded. Just initially, right? If you figure, um, I left here at what one o'clock in the afternoon, and I arrived there at seven in the morning. It's a nine and a half, ten hour flight to get there. I slept for maybe three or four hours on on that. Um, it 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 wasn't. I mean, I'm I'm used to doing that kind of thing. I was able to function. I arrived at like seven in the morning. I'm into London by like nine, ten time frame, and um, and actually my my Airbnb wasn't even ready at that point. 
uh mostly the check-in time for my airbnb was um 2 p.m and i'm there at 9 a.m 10 a.m time time frame fortunately the person that i was going through the person's location that i was staying at i worked out a deal where i could just show up and drop off my luggage and then go out in the town and come back later worked out really well uh fortunate for that i'm glad i'm glad that uh that she was able to make that work for me um yeah so that basically um another thing that i learned in in there um well, I arrived at London Heathrow, and you go through uh, go through customs and, and passport check kind of deal. Um, when you get out, this is my first time ever doing this. I have no real guidance on how to do this. I was given information to use a a different type of card while I was there. Uh, it's called Revolut. If you've never heard of it, it's a way to. Uh, it's really good for foreign travel they um they allow you in their app to connect a bank account you can connect your bank account to transfer money to your revolute account and then from your revolute account you can use that to exchange currency in 215 countries around the world and it's expanding from there um really good and the fees to be able to do that are really really low much better than what it would cost you if you had physical cash and you went to the currency exchange location at the place you're going um like significantly better which is you know kind of wild to think about um I, I mean i ended up let's see uh if i transferred 100 us dollars i would get 85 british pounds back with um that was just straight currency exchange plus a one quid fee to actually perform the exchange so you know like one percent fee to be able to uh convert money which is like i was saying significantly less anyway so my revolute card when i go to uh they have basically like a cash cashless contactless um entry points all throughout and uh the they have these little um stations that you can tap on to be able to use them uh, I go to use my card and it denies it, and I'm like, "Huh, that's that's odd." So I end up, um, as it turns out, there's a setting within the app that is location based, and I had that selected, and for some reason, the app didn't recognize that I was in the UK, even though I was in physically in the UK. It's, it's weird, and where I tried to use it was in the UK. Anyway. So I end up purchasing a ticket from these guys that are standing there because I don't know any better to do the Heathrow Express, uh, which takes you from London Heathrow directly into uh, into town. So I, I, I purchased that. It was uh, 25 quid. And um, yeah, I was just on my way. I figured I end up figuring it out once I, you know, like all this process with Revolut goes down and they have a good support team fortunately um so when i get to the location you have to you have to because you take you took that train you have to scan at the next location to get out of the turnstiles to say, say that hey i traveled from here to there and that's i went to go scan 
uh, my ticket and it wouldn't work. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, I purchased this ticket. I don't, I don't know what the costs of anything are. Uh, I purchased this ticket and now it's not working. I don't know what to do. And there's a big line behind me. So I step out of the way and I go and ask one of the train staff that's standing there, um, who he realizes that I am not from there because obviously I'm approaching him. And I start talking to him. I'm like, hey, I purchased this ticket out at London Heathrow. Uh, when I went to go scan it, there uh, it wouldn't let me out. And he and he told me, and I quote, "You just need to scan your Orca card." And then I told him, "Well, I don't have an Orca card. Uh, obviously, I'm not from the UK." And he said, oh, "You can just scan your uh, your cashless your or contactless payment." I was like, "Okay, not a big deal." So I get back in line, tack uh, my contactless payment, move on. Travel from there is pretty easy. Figuring out where you're supposed to tap and where you're not supposed to tap, that took me a little bit. I eventually figured it out. Uh, but I ended up getting charged more during my first day there because I didn't know where these locations to tap out were. So they have, um, it's called Travel for London. It's the it's the service that provides all, or is like the company that oversees all the travel locations within London. Um, if you don't have an Oyster card or even like a temporary card of some sort, the fees to travel are unlimited. So that you could be, they could charge, you know, whatever the cost is. There's no such, there's no such thing as a cap or anything like that to travel from one location to the next location. The bonus to having an Orca card is they limit the cost that you get charged on a per day uh, spectrum to eight to nine quid. So after, after I was already there, I was able to figure out how to get an Oyster card, uh, even not being based out of the uh based out of the uk it reads your sim card on your phone uh which was a us based sim card a lot of people end up getting uk based sim cards in order to achieve this process people that are traveling for for university or or for work or whatever and they're going to be there for a significant amount of time they'll do that kind of stuff generally not something you're going to do or want to do if you're just traveling for a few days kind of situation but i end up figuring out how to get an oyster card and uh, then I connected my Revolut account to my Oyster account. So that way, whenever I used it, it was boom, boom, it was smooth. Anyway, back to that point, I tap that, I get in and I, I figure out, um, figure out where I'm going. There's an app that was, uh, I was told to download called city mapper. Uh, it is similar to Google maps, um, except it is particular to exactly London and the transport services within London. So for me, having no idea what I'm doing or where I'm at or anything of that nature, first time, it was next level good. <laughs> I used it so much while I was there. And uh, highly recommend City Mapper if you're ever going to go to London. It doesn't work in, in anywhere outside of London. So keep that in mind. Um, anyway. Get out, do my thing, blah. Go off and do my uh, do my daily business. I think after I dropped off my luggage, I went out and I got um, I got some lunch, and uh, I I had a couple of drinks, a couple of beers while I was there. Mind you, 
lots of beer, lots and lots and lots of beer. It's a, it's a culture thing. There's so much good beer in the UK, so much good beer in the UK. Uh, and there people, what I saw, people tend to drink like similar things. I am different in that I like like different types of beers. So like most people were getting lagers, um, a, a group I was hanging out with, they, they like cider and they would get cider, generally light drinks, more of an uh, amber slash red ale kind of drinker. So I, I got mostly darker drinks. They had a, one place had a porter. I didn't get the porter. I'm not a big porter kind of guy. Anyway, go through my day, have lunch, go visit out to, uh, in that day, I went to, I did the tour stuff on the first day that I'm there. Um, I, I went to the Tower Bridge. I went to the London Bridge. Um, I went to Parliament that day. Um, I walked around the city. There's a, the Thames River runs right through London. And I walked, there's a river walk that you can do. And I did that. Uh, it, there's... Uh, I did a anyway enough into the point where I wanted to go back. Uh, I went I went back to where my Airbnb was at. In this point, I could uh, I could actually do the check in. Did a little freshening up, and then boom, went back out to have dinner. Um, get after I have dinner, I, and it's just a local spot that I'm going to. I'm getting uh, I I asked for like the people I know that are have experience in the town or currently live in the town, give me recommendations for places to go. I ended up going to a space that, uh, a restaurant that was, I don't know, two minute walk from where I was staying. Um, nowhere that they suggested. It's just a, I think it's a one-off kind of location. Had a couple drinks, had dinner. It was good. Yeah. Good to go. Get back in. Um, that's when I set up my oyster account. I get my oyster account set up, head off to bed. In the morning, I wake up and I get I get a notification from Revolut who said your transport for London account has been charged 65 quid for travel yesterday. And I was like, what? <laughs> huh? I was like, what the fuck? You know, I had no idea how much it would cost and it, it did seem exorbitant. Um, in outrageous. Sorry, I reach out to the guy that I know that lives in London and ask him about that. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Uh, something's wrong here." And then I tell him my situation, and then uh, and and then he goes, "Oh, well, you found your mistake." <laughs> and I was talking to the the other guy uh, that I know, Boris, um, who uh, he lives in Gibraltar. Um, I told him about the story and he, he was like, you're an idiot. And I was like, I know, but I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, lesson learned. If you ever go there, um, get your contactless payment set up ahead of time. If you can using a service like Revolut is really good. Uh, because if you use, if you're from the U S or, or really any other country that doesn't use the British pound, and you go there and you use whatever your local currency is, you're going to get charged the fee for whatever the cost is of the exchange. Uh, that, so that'll be added on top of whatever the cost is that you're buying. Keep that in mind. So, um, yeah, find find a way to convert to uh, the British pound and, and 
just use that contact contactless payment. I have my um, my wallet has the cards that I use inside of it, uh, and uh, I was able to use it that way. There's a physical card you can get if you want it. Uh, still suggest having it in case the contactless isn't working. Keep that in mind. Anyway, yeah, that's that's like the first. 24 hours that I am in London, I have paid way more than I should have. And I got uh, somebody who was familiar with the process at the uh, at the train station I was at coming from Heathrow, who basically was like, dumbass American, just go pay more for the same thing that you just did. He knew what he was doing. Kind of, kind of an intriguing way to be welcomed into the country. <laughs> uh, so that that was, yeah, it was. I mean, listen, it's a learning experience, and I hope that my experience that I had with it is a good way for somebody else to learn from that experience. Hopefully, you're having a laugh with me because I'm having a laugh. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> Just I look back and I'm like, you could have done that so much better. You could have been so much better. <laughs> um. Now back to that point, uh, there I have a schedule set up for my trip. So this is Friday going into Saturday. I just talked about uh, Saturday. I I deal with the trying to find a game, unable to find it. Um, I, yeah, there's just there's a lot going on there, <laughs> right? There's anyway. Um, I'm learning a lot while I'm doing that. And then Saturday night, I decide to um, not, it wasn't like terribly early, 10 o'clock maybe, uh, after I go out for dinner and have some drinks, uh, walk back to where I'm staying, got to get rest because in the morning I'm actually leaving to go to Edinburgh, which is Scotland. Um, and it, it's not like I have a, I think it's a 10 a.m. train. That I'm taking I did not fly it's actually cheaper to fly than it is to take the train the experience is different it actually takes you know a, a fifth of the time to fly from London to Edinburgh uh, but I decided I wanted to take the train because I want to see the countryside and see what it's all about by the way awesome 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 I'll discuss I'll discuss my experience uh, in Edinburgh uh, probably in the next episode that's what I'll do that um, then spend 48 hours in Edinburgh, take the train back, and, um, and then it is, now it's preparing to do all the things that, uh, I, I showed up to London to do. Um, I'm coming back on Tuesday, there's a match on Wednesday, it's Champions League night, and, um, that experience is all in its own. I know that because I'm in hospitality, I have the ability to show up to the stadium and get inside three hours beforehand. Um, I end up meeting up with a group of US-based Spurs fans with one guy, shout out to Shuban, um, for, who basically acted as the tour guide, showed us different locations, told us about you know the, the customs, the ins and outs, the history, all of this stuff. Incredible guy to meet. Um, and uh, I connected to him through that uh, that longtime friend that I have from uh, from Arizona Spurs. 
anyway met this group of people that were that we uh hung out with um and uh yeah i mean took a lot of uh it was an experience getting there uh i there is something you can do it's you you take the train to seven sisters train station and you walk the mile and a half that it is a uh, mile ish that it is to up to where spurs play at uh i'm i'm told based off of some reading on reddit that's an experience that you should do one time and then only if you want to after that um so that's what i'm planning on doing i get talked out of it anyway i take the train up there which stops basically right around the corner from it and go and do my thing uh get chick king for those who may be familiar um it's just a fried chicken location uh real simple quite inexpensive directly across the street from the stadium uh i mean i show up there have a chicken sandwich have a water and then you know i'm good to go for a couple of hours at the very least um cool process as it was there going get to experience what it's like to be around the stadium for uh for the the match day especially champions league nights i've i've heard stories about what it's like to be there and um yeah grab some pictures of it the stadium gets lit up they have panels that go around the mirrors uh, or the, the glass that's on i said mirrors excuse me uh the glass that's on the outside of the stadium and they have lights inside of those panels and uh, i don't know if it's all of them but certainly at least it's strategically placed so i took some pictures and, and put them up on social media if anybody wants to go see them um then uh, i've been putting it up on instagram like i was saying i been shadow banned on twitter so i haven't put anything on twitter um yeah kind of i think the last time i posted anything on twitter was back in february some some period anyway basically like exclusively posting on instagram uh mostly because i know people are gonna be able to see it and that's the only reason i'm sharing these pictures so other people can see what i'm seeing otherwise i have a picture in my head <laughs> um yeah, and then go to the match, and it's against AC Milan. The it's the second leg of the uh, uh, of the the clash that we're having there, home and home, and it is arguably the worst match I have seen this team ever play. I've been a fan since two thousand and eleven. Uh, the the after at, like right as the whole Bale and and Modric cells happen kind of situation so i was I, I started being a fan when like emmanuel adebayor was the starting striker um roberto soldado uh yeah i mean like that it was some some naso shadley uh <laughs> some lean years in there not to say that they were awful players obviously they're professional players right they, they but started becoming a fan at that point and it is arguably this game that i watched at the stadium that i paid all this money to watch is arguably the worst match that i've ever seen them play it was horrible and you could see it in the stadium uh i ended up my ticket ended up being like right uh, right above where the away section was at um so i got to listen to the away fans for the 90 plus minutes that that i was there uh and uh you could hardly hear the rest of the stadium there there was like no attack at all there's no real there was 
I don't, one real opportunity. I think Kane's header that, that got saved. I think that's really it that for a team that that is down a goal at this point, they're playing like they don't have to score that they're going to go through if it's a draw, which is so incredibly odd. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me why a team would play like that. And it wasn't until like the, the well, <laughs> Cody Romero gets a, a second yellow and a red card in, in the 73rd minute, I think it was. I can't even remember the exact minute, it, but somewhere in the second half. Um, and it wasn't until after that happened that they looked like they were trying to do something. The manager for Spurs is Antonio Conte. He makes a substitution at uh, short shortly after the red card comes out, and he subs in a center back when you need a goal. And you know, there was some speculation that came out because of this, whether or not Kane, who was the captain of the squad, uh, walks over to ask the manager, like, what are we going to do here? And then there's somebody had put out um, that they were sitting just behind where the players' benches are at, and they could hear the conversation that was happening. Um, they said they heard Kane say, uh, what are we going to do? Why would we bring in the defender when we need to score a goal? Um, the, the reaction that you're seeing in the video, because you can't hear anything in the video, uh, the reaction you're seeing in the video is Kane walks over, grabs a water bottle. You can see that he's saying something, but it, there's no real expression that goes that's associated with it. Antonio Conte is um, being uh, he, he's you know expressing himself he's visibly expressing himself about something he doesn't look like he's talking to Kane and in the background you see Ryan Mason kind of just like put his hands up and you know kind of look confused so it, it caused a lot of speculation about what happened um, it is it is like the worst game, not kidding you, the worst game I've ever seen this team play in 11, 12 years of being a fan. Um, and at the end of the match, there was a, it was a goalless draw. Um, and AC Milan went through because of it. Uh, at the end of the match, the fans ended up booing the team off the field. Right? That is, uh, if there's one thing that is true, one thing that is common about how fandom works, uh, especially around the rest of the world, not just in the U.S., or, or really not in the U.S., but around the world, um, they they audibly express themselves when the team is not doing what it is that they expect them to do. Uh, there's been longstanding history for ENIC being in charge, and that's part of the reason and how this team hasn't won a trophy since 2008. And... Um, the ambitions of the club, the ambitions of the players, the performance that the players put on there, the ambitions and the performance of the manager and, and management on top of that. Yeah, it's a, it's really, at this point, it's kind of a toxic relationship. Uh, understandably, the fans are not happy with the performance that's put through. I wasn't happy. Uh, that just, just wild, you know, just absolutely wild. So, um, anyway leave the match, go across the street. Uh, there is a, a small pub that's right there, the Beavertown, and go inside. I get in like fairly fairly early after the match, and um, I actually meet, I was supposed to meet the group that I met up with before that was a bunch of, uh, of US-based Spurs fans that were traveling. Um, they were outside and couldn't get in. I end up meeting the uh, my friend Boris, 
who um, got in right before them, and I guess he was the last person that they allowed into the pub. They were at capacity. Um, because of that, Boris and I sat in there, and we had we had a drink, had some conversations, and then we left there. We went to the number eight, which is right next door. Uh, this was later, and um, had some had a couple of drinks afterwards. Talked about the match and the experience. Really, this is the first time I'm really getting a chance to talk uh, in person to him. So really getting to like get like feel out each other's fandom and everything like that, um, and then off we go. Uh, he actually told me about an app called Free Now, which is kind of uh, it contracts into Uber. Um, it's people. I don't know if it's U.S. based at all. Uh, it certainly is useful in London, but it wouldn't let me use it. He was able to use it. Um, and he caught a, um, he caught an Uber out. Now he was, he was 20 minutes away or something of that nature. So he ended up catching one. He turns around to me and uh, <laughs> I won't forget this. I told him about it. Uh, he goes, Hey, hopefully you get one. Good luck to you. <laughs> it takes off. I spent an hour, uh, and I spent an hour before I got an Uber. Everybody was denying it. Literally everybody. My trip is kind of far. I was on the southeast side of London, so I, I'm not surprised that people didn't want to travel that far, especially considering I was in North London at the time. Um, I walked down to the bus station. The buses run 24 hours in London, which is good. The trains do not. A lot of them shut down. By this, by this time, it's a little after midnight, um, and I'm looking at uh, 162 minutes to get back to the location I am, and it's one in the morning. I'm like... Um, and then while I'm waiting at the bus stop, somebody stops or somebody accepts my Uber request and comes and picks me up. Thank God. It still took me 45 minutes to get back. Uh, but <laughs> my buzz kind of fell off at that point. Uh, and it was raining, obviously. Fortunately, the, there's cover inside the bus station. But yeah. So then, um, from there, this is then, I, I obviously I get back to where I'm staying, stay the night. From there, um, I, I I had planned on going, well, tentatively, uh, planned on going to um, going to Paris. So the way that it works out is you can go to like certain train stations, and from there, uh, you can take them out to different locations. There is a a train that connects directly from London to Paris. I'm going to do that. And so I start searching for tickets and it was like, uh, it was like $400 to go one way into Paris. And I was like, Oh, um, and then, uh, I looked at flights and flights were like $1,500. This is us dollars, not, not rich pounds to fly into Paris from London. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm not going. That is a, that is way more than I'm willing to spend to be able to travel to Paris. I will do it a different time. As it turns out, um, in, in talking with Boris, it, it made sense afterwards. Um, the, uh, France is in a um, transportation strike. So for him, flying from Gibraltar, he, his flight got, had, got rerouted around France. You can't use the airspace over France when they're on, uh, when they are on strike. On top of that, 
the train service, like who's who's going to be serving you at this new location, right? It's kind of a it's wild, you know. I mean, there's I know there were strikes happening in London because they were they were looking for better benefits and looking for better pay from workers. They announced when they were going to strike. Fortunately, it was it's coming up this week. Uh, fortunately, uh, it did not affect me because like, I don't know what I would have done if a, if it if that was happening when I was in because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, anyway, I ended up not doing it. Instead, I took that time and I went and um, I went and saw um, basically everything that I didn't go see beforehand. Piccadilly Square. Uh, I ended up going out to a, um, a market called Spitalfields Market, which was awesome big shout out to boris on that recommendation spinalfields market is legit it's it's all it's like an original market where they have uh stores that are built into buildings and stuff like that but they've turned it into this like big deal that's completely covered or almost completely covered uh area where they have vendors that come in they set up temporary locations for these people i think they're like the permanent temporary locations um and uh different different uh food that's over there uh, from like literally all over the world uh, different foods different types of uh, vendors for um goods clothing whatever whatever it is you're looking for this place was sick um i ended up getting some uh some indian food i got none and uh it was a um a, a chicken wrap with a curry sauce in a non uh tortilla essentially and then i got some spicy and cheesy fries and it was legit <laughs> it was so good uh but yeah if you ever get a chance to go there spiderfields market 100 recommend um you can go there for lunch or dinner i went i went for like lunch period uh, but it, yeah it's it is cool had a couple went to a, a, a pub that was there had a couple beers as well um what else did I go see? I went and did some museums. Um, I went off and I went to the Maritime Museum as well. Um, and and that's in Greenwich. Then also um, went and found the uh, Prime Meridian Point. There's a sign that lists the Prime Meridian Point. Then I went and had a, a beer on at a pub that was down the road from there, but on the on the line. That was cool. See, in going into the uh, the Maritime Museum, I got to see a lot of art. I got to see a Rembrandt, um, but a lot of art from basically like 1500-ish uh, up to like 1800-ish, around that time period. Um, which, for, for me, being a U.S. citizen, our history doesn't really... There's not really a lot of documented history prior to the revolutionary war and uh for those who, who don't know that's in the 1700s so the, basically anything beforehand is what you know from other things obviously we realize that the rest of the world is older uh we know that there's history documented there uh, I, the chinese have you know five thousand plus worth of documented years of history you know there's eastern eastern africa which most people at this point kind of have accepted that that they believe that's where mankind began um uh the 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 cradle of life right that's what they call that um 
there's all the the history of the crusades there's the history um of all of the different wars that happened heck the there was uh there was big wars that happened within the uk battle battling for the crown uh, to take over the country originally it was uh five or seven excuse me i don't know the exact number countries that were split up to where the uk is now um they weren't all considered to be great britain or the united kingdom um they came together and uh that's where you get kings from different locations kings and queens from different locations anyway i mean just such an awesome experience there's paintings from from artists that were close to the kings of those times. Um, there's paintings from people that did all kinds of uh, of war type of paintings. People, you know, like tracking instead of taking pictures or um, having articles that were associated with this, um, they they drew like hand handwritten drawings with pen and pencil, and then painted it as well to turn it into color really 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 cool to see i did I, I did a lot of that and this was all completely all of this was done by on my own time and i wasn't trying to coordinate times with anybody or anything like that um yeah just just awesome to see that kind of stuff highly recommended if you're into any kind of history or if you're into art i am not the biggest art buff so seeing these kinds of things didn't quite strike the same chord as it would with other people um, but just having the ability to go and see it, I, I, there's a true appreciation for what it is that they provided a lot of oil based paintings on canvas. You figure, you know, some of these are made in 1500 and here, here we are in 2023, you know, <laughs> 500 years later and they look incredible. They've done some conservation, uh, conservation, excuse me, efforts to improve the quality of some of this stuff. Um, but nevertheless, just incredible to see that kind of stuff. Um, but then from there, so this is my days off. I went and basically did more tourist stuff during that time period. Uh, from there, I um, went to the forest match on uh, on Saturday the 11th. And I ended up meeting up with uh, the guy I know that lives in London, Shuban. Um, and we, he took me over to uh, a pub that, that is, uh, basically right up the road from where seven sisters train station is. The history for this is that, uh, this pub location used to be the public toilet. So I was just intrigued. I'm like, no way, you know, like there's no way that's the case. They put up, they put a, a, a pub in this location where there used to be. That can't be the case. No, it turns out. In fact, really, really, really true. So, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I went. I went and asked him. Like, I'm like, I just want to see it. Um, and that's exactly what we ended up doing. We uh, we ended up seeing it. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. Um, I'm right here. Where is it? Um, he he took me to that point. What? It doesn't even show up doesn't make any sense oh high cross that's what it is high cross um anyway it's just like a, a building in a in a they have an out outdoor seating there's still public toilets there and in the middle they put in a pub so <laughs> this is really interesting 
uh, and then we caught a anyway, we caught a a uh, a bus um, uh, at that point and took it up towards the stadium. And he talked to me all about the history around the area. Um, he talked to me about the riots that happened, uh, the the last one being in 2011. Um, but then the history behind them and and what his experience was because he grew up in the area uh what it was like to be a part of that and the effect of that and all that different stuff anyway um yeah uh it it is uh it was really really intriguing to see all of that but ended up meeting well we're supposed to meet the group that we're the other u.s based spurs fans that were there they had to they made a connection and were able to go into the stadium and see some things that I probably will never get to see, so good for them. But that meant that we were alone. So he's like, hey, I'm going to go take you to go uh, go get a pie and mash, a traditional pie and mash. I'm like, let's do it. I'm down. I'll, I'll try basically whatever. Um, we walk over to, uh, it, it's a spot called Tottenham Ty uh, Pie and Mash, excuse me, uh, which is directly across the street from the stadium. It's closed, which he said he has never seen them closed before. So it's uh, it's a it's an interesting thing to have happen. Anyway, I end up meeting up. Uh, Boris brings over a friend. He meets with us right outside the stadium, um, and then uh, Shuban's heading off to go do his own thing because we're going over to a, a pub called um, LT's. Uh, I go into LT's with uh, with Boris and his friend, and we meet. The guy that Boris roomed with when he was at university in London. Um, this is a, a location where um, it's a, these are a, like true down to heart Spurs fans inside this location. And they don't, uh, they, they're not the most welcoming of everybody, um, which is, I mean, I get it as, as if, if you would understand conceptually what it is. Um, I end up spending but I think it was like two, two and a half hours in there. We just stand and had some drinks, get got to talking about all kinds of things. Turns out, uh, Boris's friend, the the one that he brought with him when he met us outside, really cool guy. Um, he's going to university in the area. Good attitude, good to talk to. The guy we met, um, also really incredible person. He asked me a bunch of questions about me and where I was from and stuff like that. He talked some shit to me. Um, but we just had a really, really good time. Um, I'm really glad to have experienced it uh, and got an opportunity to see a side of the fandom that I may not have been able to see otherwise. So that was really, really awesome to experience. Then from there, I headed back into the match. I got some food and then I go and watch uh, Spurs play against Forest and uh, a significant a stark difference from how they played on Wednesday to how they played on Saturday. They ended up winning three to one. I I think we could argue that it could have been four. Um, and the handball that was called a they, there was a handball that was called a penalty, which was real rough to give them. I get it, I get it, but it it's real rough. Um, end up yeah, just <laughs> end up being saved and cleared out so yeah i don't know anyway fantastic match um after i got done i met up with the u.s based 
um, Spurs fans and, and Shuban, and he took us to go get food. Went to a couple of different places trying to, um, but ended up not working out. Then he took us over to Annie's, uh, and Annie's was cool. Had a couple drinks. The only negative is they had they're short on staff, so the staff that were there they went to go pick up all the the empties that were out on the tables and stuff like that, and um, they end up dropping cups and and spilling leftover beer onto people in our group. Yeah, it was an unfortunate scenario. Um, credit to the the guys that were in the group that it had happened to them. They kept their cool about it. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, they anyway. We uh, we went from there, and he took us over to a pub. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure why we stopped at this pub. The conversations that was that were had, I didn't get to hear everything. I'm partially deaf in one of my ears, so it makes it really difficult for me to hear things, especially in a uh, a bar scene, a pub scene. Um, but like shortly after that, I after we arrived, we're sitting down. And I hear him talking, and he says, uh, "And that's why we don't buy drinks at this pub." And I was like, "Well, why did why did we come here?" <laughs> I'm so lost. I'm sure there was context that I would I was not given that was a part of this. So <laughs> anyway, he took us over to get some food, um, some Indian food at a, a local spot that he knew. And fortunately for us, he was able to uh he was speaking Bangladeshi with these uh with the staff and they knew him. Um he was able to order all the food for us and it was fantastic. Let me tell you, fantastic. Uh, yeah, just really, really, really good. So thank you to, special shout out to uh, Shuban for introducing us to that experience. It was quite the experience. Yeah, that was my last night, and then I flew out the next day, and here I am today. Yesterday was a all travel day. I, I flew out at 1 in the afternoon. I got, I got to the airport probably like 10.30-ish time period. Um, and then got back here in uh in washington at four o'clock yeah it was a full travel day oh, but that no my experience there was uh it was quite amazing um for those that are interested if you're interested in a spurs related podcast the group of the u.s based group of fans that i was with they do run their own podcast uh it's called the tottenham depot or Tottenham Depot, depending on where you're from and what your your pronunciation is. You can find them on all your favorite listening stations. Feel free, give them a listen. I know they uh, they record uh, what twice twice a week or something like that. Usually after games, it's all it's all Tottenham related. Um, they cover all Tottenham things. Okay, all of them, not just the men's senior team. They cover all of them. So it gives you uh, an opportunity to listen in, and there's a group of four of them that all do it together, and I got to meet them. Really, really cool guys. Um, yeah. Outside of that, um, you can find my all my socials that are they're going to be in the show links. I use Instagram quite a bit now. Um, I do have um, I do have a Twitter account. I don't. I did get to see a notification for me, but I don't. I don't know what's going on with my post. Why I didn't get any. Uh, there's no traction associated with it. Anyway, you can find 
Twitch, I haven't streamed in a long time, but there's a lot that goes into that as to why that's the case. Uh, I hope to get back to it, but now is not the right time to be able to do it. There's a lot going on in my life. Um, YouTube, if you if you want to use that, I'm on Discord, and that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, and then for those of you that know me personally, I'm also on WhatsApp. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on one of those. I, I am Again, I'm going to be soliciting this, but if anybody has ideas that they want to hear about in the podcast, please let me know. Reach out. Or if you want to be a guest, um, I can come up with quite a few things that we can talk about and uh, we'll make that happen. Please feel free to reach out. Uh, don't forget, subscribe, like, comment, rate, do all of that for my podcast, Native Notion. You can find that on all of your favorite listening stations. So please feel free, let the word know, or excuse me, let all the people know what the word is about the podcast. Send it out, talk to them about it, um, let let them figure out whether or not they like it. Um, regardless of whether or not you like this, I uh, appreciate the fact that you're willing to listen to it. And uh, I, I, I will try to be a little more, uh, a little more consistent with this. So, in, in any case, please feel free to share this with everyone that you know. That's the best way to grow is to share in it with all the people you know. Uh, with that said, I will catch you all the next time. Thanks for listening to Native Notion. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with Klamath by following him on Twitch, Hover, and Twitter. All links are in the show notes. Until next time.